Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant? Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry with Dave Clay. I would like to believe <laughs> that I have integrity. I'd also like to believe that I'm not guilty of heresy or being heretical or heretical. Heretical would <laughs> be the word. Uh, I think for the most part, they're one and the same. And uh, would it be left to me to be the sole person, entity, to think that? No. Uh, I did bother to look up heresy, and heretic, heretical, and uh, to see what the definitions are. Uh, you may already be aware of this. I really never thought of it this way. When I looked it up, though, it's very difficult to separate heresy, being a heretic or her- heretical, from some religious or theological. <laughs> it's one of the definitions, uh, uh, one of the sources described it. Uh, theological doctrine or system of belief. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because I think heresy has somewhat been, and uh, another source kind of referenced it or or, uh, uh, described it this way, reported it this way, heresy has been hijacked by the Christian faith. And uh, probably based on our text today, biblical text today, or reference, uh, is the reason why. And the Apostle Paul, uh, we're going to go to Titus uh, here in a few moments. But I did want to make this uh, kind of correlation between integrity and heretical or heresy. And the source that I have chosen to reference uh, is uh, Britannica, which used to be pretty credible. Um, You can find it at Britannica.com. But according to this source, Britannica.com, in the reference, heresy, theological doctrine or system, rejected as false by ecclesiastical authority. That's what heresy is. A theological doctrine or system rejected as false by ecclesiastical authority. However, it went on to state that the Greek word heresis, I'm going to pronounce it that way, heresis, H-A-I-R-E-S-I-S, from which heresy is derived, was originally a neutral term that signified merely the holding of a particular set of philosophical opinions. And then it goes on to state, once appropriated by Christianity, however, the term heresy began to convey a note of disapproval. Now, being a Christian... And also being a lover of the Bible, and in particularly, my sentiments would go toward favorable when it comes to the Apostle Paul and the New Testament church, and such the book would be Titus, uh, and this notion that all of that becomes then who I am with identity. It is not only a philosophical belief, I think it is reality, it's truth. <clears throat> but philosophy, reality and truth, what is truth? Um, Pontius Pilate asked the question, I don't think so, rhetorically when he was meeting with Jesus and uh, making his final decision about what was going to happen to Christ according to the Roman political system, Rome. But truth and philosophy probably are likewise correlated. They go hand in hand. Integrity and heresis, heresis, as the Greeks called it, go hand in hand. Why? Because it's what I am. It's what I believe. Now, as a Christian, all those things I said a moment ago about being favorable to Paul, to the purposes of Paul, the New Testament church, How probably heresy or being a heretic has kind of then come to almost an automatic connotation of disapproval and and particularly uh, Christian 
and uh, maybe even more so the Roman Catholic Church could, I don't know for a fact, but I believe practices or uses the term quite regularly even its in its current sort of condition or state. It's not only a historical word, it doesn't only go back to the Greeks and the New Testament church, it's quite alive in our society today, but in more neutral terms, it's integrity is what you are and should be then what you believe. And if it's who you are and it's with identity, then to be a heretic is not a bad thing because it means you are a person of integrity. But what happens when something comes along to persuade you to be different or to change your opinion? Uh, and <laughs> maybe more so, that's what takes us back to Titus, where the Apostle Paul, as in writing the letter to Titus and then to the church and then to of that time and, and then to us, the church of this time, the notion of being a heretic uh, was relevant. I'm going to uh, read Titus, beginning with verse uh, chapter three, beginning with verse ten. A man that is an heretic after the first and second uh, admonition reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. Verse 10 and 11, actually. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition, <laughs> reject. Knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. Now, again, Christian, religious, doctrinal connotations. Uh, the word of God is, is our standard. It establishes the foundation for our doctrine, our belief, as it rightly should. And once again, the Apostle Paul takes it in fullest context because he was not only Hebrew, knew all the Old Testament and the rules and the laws that went along with that uh, as Moses captured them for the sake of <laughs> just this foundation. Who are you? Who, who are the Hebrew people? Who are the Jewish people? Who are the Israelites? If you want an identity and you were Hebrew, you'd go to the Old Testament. <laughs> and thus, it was important because there needed to be some distinction between Old Testament and New Testament in this way. New Testament certainly then began to include a lot of other folks from a lot of other her heretical Heresis, heresis, uh, philosophical sort of beliefs and opinions. And how did they get there? In the same sort of way, I presume, that the Hebrew people did. The one thing that was different or missing was the Hebrew people had God. And came to have a relationship with God out of God's desire. He picked the people and he wanted to tell them specifically about him and who they were and what his intentions were for all peoples. And with that, an identity was formed. But that's no different, as I've tried to describe it, on an individual basis. That's how we all come to having our own, <laughs> being a heretic, having our own opinions about what the world is, our own philosophical beliefs. It may be a church of one, which probably isn't really complimentary in itself either. But, you know, you are your own person. Uh, that idea of integrity, you need to figure out who you are. And that's probably the first challenge in life, is not only figuring out who God is, but figuring out who you are. But until you know who you are and what you believe in, and have some sort of a position, and hopefully with integrity, there's some soundness of identity, uh, some idea of conscience or consciousness, maybe, uh, more so maybe the consciousness part, and awareness of who you are, then you can't be a heretic of the second order until you accomplish being a heretic of the first order. 
the Apostle Paul, most of what he was doing with the Gentiles was accepting <clears throat> that they already knew who they were, philosophically so, as with heresis, as with <laughs> heresis, as with the Greek people. The Old Testament is Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek. <laughs> as the Greek people as with influence at the time. The highest order of human thought, many think, came from paradigm of thinking, came from the Greeks. Uh, all that we know of science comes from the Greek culture. And with that, the ability, Mars Hill, remember Mars Hill? To hear different philosophical beliefs, opinions, and then study them, analyze them, find out if there's any credibility. <clears throat> I suppose it could be for the intent of persuasion. I'd like to believe even in the Greek culture, and certainly should be maintained even so, in our current culture, world view of what the world is today, but also our Christian worldview as it then <clears throat> integrates integrity with the current cultural worldview, I'd like to believe we would want to find the truth. <laughs> but you have to start with some idea so that then as new ideas are presented you can become a heretic of the second order. Which is, oh, well, I might have to give up something that I knew for something different. Now, the Apostle Paul, of course, was presenting this through, to, through the letter he wrote, the epistle he wrote to Titus, again, to the church then and the church now. That don't be a heretic of the second order when it comes to the real truth, Jesus Christ. But it's okay to be a heretic of the first order if it means you're going to come to Christ. Is it doctrine and philosophy only? No. <laughs> because the Apostle Paul says, I used to be that way. Uh, I was under the persuasion of the Hebrew <laughs> People, our identity, cultural identity, our tribal identity, who we were as persons, <laughs> cumulatively as well as individually, or individually as well as cumulatively is the proper order of it. But I came to an awareness, consciousness, which then all of a sudden triggered an awareness, conscience, inside of me, in the Holy Spirit, <laughs> of what I really and supposed to be. Not what I was just told I was supposed to be. But now what I have discovered is really inside of me to be. So that level of integrity is established. You have to be true to yourself. But then if you're true to yourself, then you have to be true to the truth. And then if you're true to the truth, what you'll discover is you're true to God. Because what is the truth? The truth is Jesus. The truth is the Word of God, even in Old Testament Hebrew context. Because why? God revealed himself through inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. So they might know. But they did not know what they were or could not be really true to themselves in the way that God would want them to, until they came to Jesus. They've already come to God. God already revealed to them what they were to be in an external identity material. So to mention external is outward, superficial, image-wise. But they were not yet, the Hebrew people as a whole, were not yet converted. They were not yet realizing Oh, well, this not only matches up with what we, God told us we were to be, and we could try to be that way, and we believe that's the right way to be. <clears throat> but until you become that individual that makes that decision to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and with that, the Holy Spirit is brought back to, is brought restored, as to be the prominent, the predominant influence of who you are, as in, now you're true to yourself and you're true to God in integrity in that one place, then you are not even going to be able to really accomplish anything near 
what I think the Apostle Paul is speaking to Titus about and what the whole book of Titus, excuse me, is about. And that is not only being true to yourself, being true to God. But you can't then let whatever that is or as that is established, we know what it is, it's Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit, it's the Word of God alive in you, but what that is to be compromised. And this final chapter, chapter 3, that I read verses 10 and 11 from, that's what it really speaks to. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to do every good work, to speak no evil or speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, shewing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. (laughs) So what is he saying? The Apostle Paul is continuing what he began, really, as he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he assumed his new identity. He was a heretic. And the Hebrew people considered him a heretic. Heresis. Heresis? Heresis. Heresis. Uh, The Greeks would have called it. Uh, But he was persuaded not by opinions. He was persuaded not by a particular moment in time in a political movement or a need, even in a physical dimension, material dimension, as with either culturally, all of us, or singularly, even him. It was not for convenience that he accepted Jesus, or at least as he was encountering Christ in his blindness or the blindness that he was holding, his lack of awareness, consciousness of what was true and real, was living even so within him. Even at the time he was crucifying Christ, he changed his mind. He changed his philosophy. But the truth doesn't really isn't, doesn't come from the mind alone. It's not a mental exercise. That's the problem with Mars Hill. Or at least it was the example with Mars Hill. Because some received Paul's testimony, some didn't. Athens. However, the Greeks, that was their problem. They were people who lacked integrity. If you don't know how to be true to yourself... And then with that, how to learn who God is and how to be true to the world around you, even in material dimensions, Old Testament, of who God is, his outward manifestation, the material expression of who he is, the laws of science, the rules that govern the powers, as Paul says, the principalities and powers that govern the material world, you'll never ever then be able to realize the power of Christ within you because your mind. <laughs> it's really then her- heretical in a state of heresy to God and if you reject Jesus for sure <laughs> because that's really the message of Christ. Integrity. Heresy. <laughs> Not heretical or Heretical to God, but that's really what the devil did. He stole Adam and Eve and the rest of us, as the concept of original sin would dictate, from God in the first place. We just need to make the change and the readjustment through Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, through salvation, not works of our righteousness even. Oh, well, I like that idea of the Ten Commandments. I like doing those things. I think I'll become Hebrew. I think I'll become a Jewish person. I love all the holidays. But we just need to realize 
that was okay from the outside, but the real turmoil, the difficulty, was there was no integrity. The heart, that's not really how they were doing it. They were doing it out of the head, and anybody who tries to do it in that fashion, not speaking only of the Hebrew people, but anyone in that fashion, if I would choose to do it, become a Hebrew, because it looked nice, it was right, it's just philosophical. But that's not what we're talking about. That's not what Paul's talking about. That's not what the epistle to Titus was about. Paul was talking about you have to recognize at some point that it's in you. It's what you're called to be from the beginning. This is what God wanted from the start. It's not outward in by acting it and then finding it. It's alignment so that as you then align yourself with integrity, with what you know God has called you to be, and you put your mind, which is where the devil really has the the greatest stronghold, if not the stronghold, that he uses against God and us to kill us, to steal us from God and resultant death, is separating us from God, is in our mind. Because we can think about a lot of stuff. And in that, we're all heresis, heresis. We're all practicing heresis. We're all practicing a philosophical opinion and belief. But it may not be the truth because at that point, what's tethered it? What's calibrated it? What's reestablished it or established it? And then as salvation would be, reestablished it in the Holy Spirit in your heart, who you've called, been called to be from that point of piercing divided center of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. The essence of who you are as God created you, all of us, but you've listened to the call. You've got it. You've not walked away from the sermon, Marcel, that Paul's preached, and you understand. I've got to be a heretic. (laughs) Second order, I suppose. I was used two orders earlier. I'll use three now. Second order to the devil stealing me. You could put that in there. I've got to move away from that to reestablishing first order, which is how God has called me to be. But I only can do that so that in that I'll never walk away as in third offense. Jesus. But once you know who you are and once integrity is established, you have to practice what you preach lest you then would fall not only into temptations. This idea that somehow all the Apostle Paul was just, it was convenient. He was needing something at the moment and this was the thing to do. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. That was probably the problem with the Romans. <laughs> Same thing as with the Greeks. It's our problem too. I, I identify. <laughs> I identify as a citizen of the United States. I suppose otherwise it could be I identify as an American. A little bit more generic. North, South America, all that. But I used to know who I was. (laughs) I used to believe in that fully and totally. I still believe in what I was taught to be an American was to be a citizen of the United States. What the Constitution, which is our kind of doctrine, philosophical doctrine, our belief, my identity was aligned in, in that one way to come together as one, oneness with our Constitution, <laughs> with our, our Declaration of Independence, we're individuals. And this is what we choose to believe collectively. But I think it would be hard for anybody to argue that we're not in a state of heresy right now. There's a lot of heretics out there. Heretical. And they have every right to. But in the end, they're going to discover that they're wrong. How <laughs> can I say that? Because you're a heretic. You're heretical. You are sworn to, you've sworn allegiance to doctrine. And simply because that's who you are, now you're threatened because somebody's coming along and suggesting it could be another way. 
I am a bit, because I know where we're going to go, but I've gotten past that. Because <laughs> I know in the end what I know, and what I know has been established. It was established for the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. He had an experience with Jesus. The scales were removed from his eyes. His state of blindness was revealed unto him. He missed the whole point trying to chase down the point. Fortunately for Paul, as being a Hebrew Pharisee among Pharisees, it was not a bad point. There's nothing wrong with the Old Testament. Again, it helps to calibrate the system. It establishes an, an intellectual standard of truth. You can comprehend it. You can say, yeah, I believe in that stuff. I want to be a Hebrew peop- a person of the Hebrew people persuasion. Or I want to be an American. But it's one thing to say you want to be something and another thing to discover in the power that will allow you to become that one thing that you say you want to be or the thing you say you want to be. To become it, you have to find the power in you to do it. And the power is in part integrity. And the power in part is once established, you cannot then waver or move off of it. But we just don't. Like spuriously, randomly, as any way the wind blows, except doctrine. We don't do that out of our lusts of our flesh, as again the Apostle Paul describes it, out of some moment we're in. Oh, well, I want to be this day, I'll be that. No, we do that out of the proof that is Jesus Christ. And what is that proof? That there's resurrection power, not only the Word of God, Old Testament, New Testament, doctrine of Paul. Doctrine that Paul was espousing, teaching. But the act, the outward lined up with integrity. Jesus laid down his life for all of us. Not to just make us something that he thought we should be. Or that even God thought we should be. Through some show of force. Through his just saying, well, you are just not smart enough to really understand it. I understand it. Or philosophically, this is what the world needs right now. Let's just... No, he did that out of the foundation of what God had called all of us to be. As in the manifestation of Christ, even in the garden, had yet taken place in the garden. All the tree of life was there. He just wasn't physically manifested in the same way he was immediate to the Apostle Paul's writing to Titus. But even so, in that way, we're post that a bit. It's more history for us. But now we see Jesus in human dimension and form, and there's no doubt what we're called to be. We're called to be like unto God, who he... God, who he created us, God, created us with that purpose in mind, of which he created us with that purpose in mind. God is who created us with that purpose in mind. But you don't discover that until you acknowledge what you aren't. But you don't change until you acknowledge what you aren't, even as the standard had to be through the Hebrew people established foundationally with the Old Testament, it won't save you. It's just the first part. It proves what a heretic you really are. And how the devil has conned you and, and, and stole you from God. But once you get that down and you begin to pay attention and your consciousness, your awareness gets to the point where you begin to realize, wait a minute... I'm doing all these things and look what I'm getting and look what the world's turning into and look how we're (laughs) quick approaching that in time when all of this is going to turn out to be the major mess even to the eventual destruction of the United States. I don't know. America? It's not going to destroy me. I'm going to be American United States. I'm going to be a citizen of the United States. I'm going to be loyal to my country and the Constitution till the day I die. You're not going to take that from me. But everything around me could die. I know you won't because you believe that same way. But that's really then only able, I'm only able to do that established because I'm that way in Jesus. I'm established in Christ and in the country that I'm in. That's part of my identity, personality. But it was in the same way as the Hebrew people. Are we the same as the Hebrew people, the chosen one? No, I don't know. I want to say that. I just want to say 
It's my identity. God doesn't need us to do anything except to show an example Christ. And the willingness to lay down your life for another. The willingness to fulfill the two great commandments. uh, Including the Ten Commandments. And then knowing that even in will... That only establishes logistically the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to not have us fighting against him so that he can perform the work. So even as in the garden, there was a tree of life, including knowledge of good and evil. There's nothing wrong with good and evil. It's just not a finished work. The devil takes that developmental moment when we have to kind of, we're being sifted. We're presented with all these philosophical views We think we know who we are. We think we know what we are. Our parents have certainly, if they've done any kind of job at all, have, in a good sort of way, established some sense of who we are and what we believe in. You just got to go out and test it. But once it's tested, the sifting occurs in that way, at that level, in that context. You don't want to end up being a heretic. You want to come back. You want to... Change again, or at least acknowledge that in Christ Jesus, you can discover your heart again. It'll be returned unto you, the word. It wasn't stolen anyhow. It's always been in you. It just has to come out of you again. It got lost in all of the craziness of the other philosophies and the other worldviews. Maybe you've practiced some of that. Maybe you chased some of that down. Maybe it was for convenience. Maybe it was the moment you were in. Maybe it was hard to hold the line. God's forgiving of all that because I believe. (laughs) Because he knows. That the devil did it, but he put that in you when he created you like unto him. He gave you Jesus so that you would see what it looks like. And then gave you the opportunity in time, because he created time, so that I presume, so that there would be some aspect of recovering or redemption even to occur. As we matured and developed, and why? I don't know. I guess it was against God's plan, partly, of salvation. I don't know that we get to see God's original plan so much as in the Bible. We just get to see his plan of salvation. Because if everything had gone as he'd originally planned, and and really what we see in the Bible too is all the sifting. Because what you begin with, if you end up with it, you are a heretic at several points along the way. But when you return to that base belief of what's right, what's wrong, as established not only in your own head or what you've been taught, but now you own it because you've went out and you've tested it, you've proven it, and you've reproven it, then nobody could take that away from you. They're not going to steal that from me. They're not going to steal it from you because you're protected, you're preserved. You're sanctified. You're sanctified as you're sifted. Because it's there. He's there. The Holy Spirit. The mind of God. Put on the mind of Christ. Or allow the mind of Christ to tear down strongholds in your mind. That would try to, in a heretical sort of way, exalt itself against the knowledge. The truth of God. And you're going to become like Jesus. You don't make yourself Jesus. It's not out of you trying to do it of yourself. It's out of you allowing him to do what he's wanted to do. Planned, I guess. <laughs> that's a, you know, it's hard. I say I guess because I'd love it if we didn't have to go through all the sifting. But that's just what happens. It's the way that it's come to. So God must have had. I think God knows everything. I think God has a plan. I think it's all going to be according to his plan. It must have been part of it, even though counterintuitively it doesn't make much sense to me. But that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to say. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to hope of eternal life. 
If it's not Jesus, if it's not in alignment with the Holy Spirit, if it's not then in the alignment with as God's original intention, what he created us to be, what he put in us when he breathed life into us, if it's not that, it's going to be death. And not only is it going to be death in time, (laughs) material dimension, it'll be death eternally because you will never have served the purpose. At least as far as you are, are concerned, your conscience, consciousness is. God's conscience, that, that central piece, the conscience, God, enters forever. I mean, that is just life. It's in you to live and in you to live properly and in you, you to live even as Jesus. Any questions of what that looks like, go read particularly the New Testament. But you'll see them in the Old Testament and you'll see those... Um, predictions, the prophecy of Christ to come, even in the Old Testament. You'll catch glimpses of us as God is working us to the manifestation of Jesus. But if Jesus comes again, he will come again. Not only has he come as with that return of the Holy Spirit, as with that confirmation, he'll come again a second time after you're saved. He comes and that fills in you, fills that void, or that void starts to be filled in you through the Holy Spirit that is in you. Make sure I say that right. He'll come a second time, but we are also part of that physical manifestation of Jesus so that one day when he comes again, we'll all be with integrity, one with him. Not only in spirit, desire, heart, but God will have finished the work. So we look around and we see Jesus everywhere we go. And if we don't, then we're going to be working on getting people to be heretics. <laughs> or at least they're heresis, 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 Greek, of what they believe and say, well, it might need some calibration. It may need some alignment or realignment, but it's true. <laughs> it's truth. It's not just head philosophy. It's not a good idea. It's not convenient to the moment we're in. It is ultimate truth. This is what God's called us to be. And what is that? It's Jesus. This is a faithful saying, and these things, I'm beginning with verse 8, verse eight Titus 3. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. Don't fall into the wrong kind of heresy. Don't let the devil continue in his sifting to cause you ambivalence or uncertainty. A double-minded man or person is unstable in all ways. You can't be both. You can't be bitter and sweet. Uh, You're established by your works. Not that that establishes your salvation, but it is establishment of your salvation that otherwise you have integrity. You're practicing what you preach. These things are good and profitable unto men, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject. And maybe that's really where I got the two levels. The first is the Old Testament. And then if you accept that what you're doing, or at least the alternative... (laughs) the uh, hypothesis that you're testing, if you accept that the hypothesis that you're now operating on or you're going out and kind of testing new beliefs, new systems of thought, new philosophies, you're listening to a lot of things, you're trying to process that in terms of the knowledge of good and evil, and you don't recognize death at the end of that, (laughs) then you failed the first admonition. But don't fail the second admonition. Jesus came. (laughs) Don't reject the second admonition. Jesus came. But if you're going to reject the second, (laughs) then as a believer, you can only be presented the word and the living testimony. You can only be given the word and the living word. God can only show us what we're supposed to be or you can only in evangelistic sort of terms or even in that sort of way of trying to reconcile or or assist or correct one who is in heresy. 
as the connotation in most of the references sources that I went to looking up the definition so I could be right on what it was really to be a heretic. Always brought it back to religion and particularly I think the Roman Catholic Church. If they're not going to accept the word and then they're going to reject you as a living word, you can't do anything else. You have to walk away. Knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself. Which I think brings us back to the most primary of propositions. God does not send anybody to hell. Except maybe the devil. But, and he created that for the devil. But if you go to hell, it's your choosing. God does not condemn you. You condemn yourself even so as when you bring the word to someone who is lost, someone who maybe has, is just being sifted, but at the moment they're choosing to reject it, they're even disavowing who they are in primary identity sort of terms. Oh, I don't know. I, that Christian, I'm not sure. I was brought up that way. I know we've heard and know a lot of individuals. We've heard a lot of individuals over the course of our life, and we know a lot of individuals presently who are like that, say those very things. They're in your church, maybe. Well, I come, but, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I. And even so, many have fallen into such a state of apostasy, seared their conscience to the point where they're atheists now. Those folks are not going to get anything in the end except what they've chosen. And they've chosen to condemn the words of life. The source of life. Not only Jesus, although Jesus is life because he is God and he has inspiring life. Even as God breathed life into Adam, Jesus again breathed upon us or brings the breath of life unto us. His disciples, the apostles, us. Even as the Apostle Paul in ministering of the word. Even as we read it in Titus. That's what this is about. It's another admonition. But if you're going to reject it, then God doesn't reject you, but by default you're rejected. If you're going to reject him, you've rejected the word. If you're going to reject the word, he, has, he can't have place with you. We as believers can't entertain all of this other thinking. And especially if the entertaining of it subjects us to <laughs> searing our conscience or backsliding or going back to returning as a dog returns to his vomit, a pig to the mire. It's not that you won't be tested or sifted again <laughs> until you get out of this material dimension, this life, in a material way, exit the carnal, out of the context of life and death in carnal terms, you will always be sifted. Uh, <laughs> there's always going to be, Second Timothy, I believe it is, talks about that. There will always be difficulties. Hard. Life is hard. But if you entertain Jesus, if you allow the word to sanctify you as with the washing, as with water by the word. If you allow it to cleanse you, the word. If you keep yourself in right order, even if it is in righteousness, as with identity, as with who I am, as with you're not going to take that belief from me because it's been established in Jesus. I know, I know, I know my living Savior. I know who I am in Christ Jesus. Then the devil's got no chance. And you will always win. You'll be victorious. But if you're talking to somebody and they already demonstrate that, they reject the word, then they reject your living testimony of the word, then really, if Jesus is... God's love manifests unto us. If grace and mercy and forgiveness comes in material dimension in the form of Christ, not only for us so that we might be saved, but so that we might then in God's love through Christ Jesus sanctify one another. If they reject you and you're the living word, certainly don't, 
<laughs> don't allow the devil to use that to get you into a state of hostility. And uh, then they can look at you and say, well, you're nothing but a hypocrite. That's not good. It's not good for you. not good for them. But more so even for you, it could be your own evidence of your own weakness. Nobody's perfect except in the Lord. But that should be a clarion call to make sure you don't let the devil steal. The thief cometh to kill, steal, and destroy. He's stealthy. He's the original heretic. It's no wonder it's a big word. But I think you have to see in full context, lest you get confused along the way. And that's one of the, the things the devil likes to do too. Oh, well, you're just you're disagreeing, you know, or they everybody says, Well, I'm entitled to my own belief. So, you know, what makes you right? And the moment that they move that definition only to Christian, which is deserving, I guess, in light of the full context or full presentation on the podcast today. It's okay to say that, and I'm all right with owning that. But I think most humanists would say that, like, well, you believe what you believe, and I believe what I believe, and we'll just try to figure out some way to not kill each other. But it won't happen. It'll always end up as it is right now, with not only great division, but hatred, animosity, meanness of spirit, intention, need to defend. And the more that the dead move toward death, the worse it gets. And they're not going to go down pleasantly. They're going to claw, they're going to fight, they're going to animalistically and fight or flight sort of mode. They're going to try to kill you. That's what they did to Jesus. Those that did not receive were those that crucified Christ. And literally so. And, and yet at the same time, we know who's really dying. It's them. I hope that helps. It's kind of what we do in counseling. We try to establish the word as a standard. We try to elevate one's consciousness, awareness of what they're called to be. We encourage them to, in calibration, take a look at themselves, comparative to not only the word, but the living word, Jesus, Old Testament and New Testament. And with that, then, we try to support them as they're (laughs) discovering Oh, it was me. I left God. It was me. I got tricked. It was me. It wasn't God. It wasn't somebody else. It was me. I need to own it. And when you do, then you need to give it to Jesus. Not me. I'll do everything I can to coach you. I'll do everything I can to help logistically move you to or help you to be moved to a place where you're able to better receive it. I'll be Elihu for you, but I can't give you the answer. Only God can give you the answer. But if you're prepared to enter into a conversation with God, I think he wants that. If you're prepared to come to Jesus for salvation, I think he wants that. If you're prepared to come to counseling so you can meet the word of God, the mind of God, the mind of Christ, so that you will then be more receptive to the power of the Holy Spirit that comes from within you. I don't give you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's in you. He's in me too. But when we join together as one, it amplifies. Two or more gather together in my name, Jesus says. I'll be there in the midst of them. And whatever they bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Loose on earth shall be loose. We have, loose in heaven, we have great power to endure and overcome. (laughs) Jesus said that too in the book of Revelation. It's the one that overcame. Blessed is he, they that overcome. The world. Jesus overcame the world. We can overcome the world in Jesus Christ. But if you go kind of entertaining for the sake of convenience, getting along, well, you're going, don't kill people and don't argue with people. I'm not saying that. But if you give in, And you do it in that fashion, that manner, and that way, be careful. Because you're going down the road of perdition with them. And you'll get nothing better 
than what they're going to get in the end. And you can fall into a state of apostasy. The Apostle Paul captures that in Scripture. We, I, am there to help you. Should you want it? (laughs) Give us a call, me a call. 304-528-9220. Covenantsonline.com. Check us out. Covenants at Facebook. Covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com. A lot of good ways you can communicate. Reach out. If you need it, you want it. Create a little bit more of a personal dialogue. But lastly, you can always come back to the podcast, which is why I do the podcast. This is the stuff that we do in the counseling. This is what it's like. So if you don't want it, then don't call us. If you do, you need some sort of assurance. This is what it is. It's not humanism stuff. I know humanism stuff. I know the psychology. I know the clinical counseling piece. I know the psychological counseling piece. I have the licenses and I have the certifications. But that's just so that I understand the human apparatus or operation. I more so defer, as I'm going to encourage you to, the working of the Holy Spirit and God and His Word. And that's what I'm going to lean upon. I may use the other to kind of understand why or where this is coming from so I'll know where to direct the intervention or maybe in what specific ways approach it. But it is all under the guidance of God, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit. And I love Jesus. I would like to believe I'm not a heretic of this third degree. And I would also like to believe that I hold that level of integrity Hopefully, the podcast is some evidence of that. Should you want to come back and join us on What is Covenant? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry, please do so. And in the meantime, I want to wish you God's blessing. God bless you. Till then.